0: A lot of singing. All right. I'm missing uh, Renee. Renee, where are you? <laughs> All right. All right. So All right, your- Bibles, grab your notes. Talking about gentleness today. Gentleness am I on my mic working? all right. you guys hear me? Okay, wow, everybody's somber, somber and solemn. Did the music get you? Yes, man, good music today. Good worship all right, um gentleness. this one's gonna hit hard <laughs> um because um you know. I think it's interesting, gentleness and self-control come at the end of the list, and they might be two of the most difficult. Uh, And I'm not trying to stay any gender types here, but but I think, uh, speaking for me, I have a harder time, I think, with gentleness than Lydia does. And I think that's probably true most of the time. Dads are less gentle than moms uh that might not always be true uh but but i'm saying that because i think especially for some of the men this might be a tough one today a tough one to swallow um because when we hear words like gentleness we're going to be talking about some other words like meekness and humble you know and i was thinking again about that there's that song where it talks about jesus meek and mild um those are not insults (laughs) but when we hear meek We hear mild, we hear gentle, we hear humble, we hear what? We hear weak. It's a cultural thing. Um, We hear those words and we think weakness. Uh, When in fact, I think that they, uh, under control and under God's control, might be some of the most powerful things that there are. Uh, So we're going to talk about some definitions because I love definitions. Uh, Let's talk about the word gentle real quick. The word gentle carries with it the idea of mercy. Uh, and I, I was interested in studying a little bit more about gentleness. We think often, um, we, have, we like cats. So we have cats. You think petting a cat, you think that's like a gentle motion. And I think a lot of times we think of gentle things are like soft strokes or pats or stuff like that. Um, gentleness can also be mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve, right? It's, uh, it's when there's something coming your way, especially if it, it were in a judgment. Say, for instance, uh, it, where a judge could enact a right penalty— for lawlessness, for breaking some kind of law. Uh, specifically in Scripture, we talk about the penalty of sin, which is death. The, the judge could, in all right, say that that is going to happen, but mercy is when we get something else. We get mercy because of what Christ has done for us. Uh, we don't get the judgment uh, that we should get because the wrath of sin um, is on us, but through Christ we get mercy. We receive, if you will, from God, gentleness. So gentleness is also kind of carries with it this idea of mercy. Now the word meek, uh, and I include this because different translations use different words, um, but I'll, meek, you, you hear that word and what do you think? Like a mouse that's all I'd like, oh, I'm, a, I'm meek. Meek. I'm going to read you a definition. Um, it's from uh, one of my Bible dictionaries. It says, the meek Do not resent adversity because they accept everything as being the effect of God's wise and loving purposes. So no matter what happens, the person who is meek accepts what comes, accepting it as what God had planned. What God has allowed. What God is allowing to happen. Continues, it says, They accept injuries from men also, knowing these are permitted by God for their ultimate good. So meek uh, carries, with this Id- carries with it this idea of not retaliating, not getting revenge, not getting your way. So you can see how this idea of gentleness uh, and meekness are kind of connected with the idea of mercy. Um, again, weak words in our culture, strong words in Scripture. In fact, I was reading something this week and it said gentleness may be the thing that's missing the most in the church in America. And I thought it was interesting. I read that this week, and we're talking about it this week. We're teaching about it this week. So let's dive in and talk about what radical gentleness looks like. Men, women, children, parents, uh, teenagers, whoever you are, wherever you are today. Let's talk about the power of uh, of radical gentleness. So we're going to talk about a couple things. First of all, Philippians 4-5 is kind of our steering verse for this. And I'm going to read it in two different versions. Question now, is your gentleness evident to all? We could pray and go home and let God do his work because I think you know what the answer is. Some of you might say, yes, my gentleness is evident to all. I know some of you uh, are very gentle and I, I, have, I have experienced gentleness from you. And I've heard stories of other people who have experienced your gentleness. Now, some of us are not so gentle. Uh, some of us are back and forth, right? Sometimes we're gentle, sometimes we're not. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about becoming gentle people. People who are gentle have their personality under control. That's one of the first things we're going to talk about. Uh, having our personal, you know our personalities are made up of our character traits, our experiences, the things that that have happened in our life. They 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 form within us a personality, and each of us have a different personality. And having our personalities under God's control is how we become gentle. Now, what are some positive character traits that you see in people? Just call them out. Wow, it's a quiet bunch today. Honesty. Faithfulness. Patience. Kindness. Trustworthy. Okay, those are good. Sounded, we're beginning to sound a little bit like the Boy Scouts there, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> there for a minute, I thought, okay. But there are also negative Character traits. What are some negative character traits? Rude, mean, grumpy. Oh no! Anybody have that that foisted on you this week? Why are you being so grumpy? Ooh, you did a couple. Okay. As a couple of people raised their hand. They were honest. Yep, that was me. I was grumpy this week. If we're honest, that we all have character traits that are both. God-pleasing and God-displeasing, right? We are sometimes gentle, trustworthy, honest. We are sometimes grumpy, mean, and rude. Um, there were guys in, in the circle that Jesus was in, the circle of 12, and he had a smaller circle uh, of three, and these guys had rough edges. They were fishermen. Uh, most of them, they had rough edges. They had character traits that were both good and, and not so good. And there's a story in Luke 9 where Jesus was, Scripture says, setting his face towards Jerusalem. He's like, this is where I know I'm going to go now. Uh, he was making that trip into Jerusalem. And Scripture says he set his face on Jerusalem, and the twelve went with him. And they were traveling, and they were in a part of the country where there were Samaritan villages. And Jesus said, okay, we're going to go to this next Samaritan village and we're going to um, uh, stay the night there. Well, um, when they got there, the, the Samaritans did not receive them. They said, nope, you guys can't stay here. Now, we know uh, from, from biblical history, history, uh, history, historical documents that uh, the, the Jews, the, the Israelites, the, the people of Israel, and the Samaritans didn't like each other. Um, uh, they both... Uh, had different views theologically on things, and so they butted heads. Uh, the, the, the Israelites would call the, the Samaritans dogs, in fact. Um, but Jesus wanted to stay in the Samaritan town, but the Samaritans said, no, you can't stay. Now, James and John looked over at Jesus, and they said, this is, this is great. He said, do you want us to call down the fire from heaven on them and just destroy them? Can you imagine? <laughs> okay, there's one of those rough edges, right? Can you imagine the look on Jesus' face? He'd turn to them and look and go, what are you thinking? No, I don't want you to do that. Let's just go on to another town. So Scripture says they moved on to another town. All right? These guys had, had, had rough edges. Another time in Mark 10, uh, James and John, uh, maybe your kids did this to you once. They, they, did your kids ever come up to you and say, um, I, I want you to give me whatever I ask for, but you have to say yes first? Your kids ever Anybody, your kids ever do that for you? I think all kids have done that at some time. I want you to give me whatever I ask for, but you have to say yes first, and then I'll tell you what it is. Well, the, the, James and John did, did something very similar. They went to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, we want you to give us whatever we ask for. And Jesus was like, all right, what do you guys want? <laughs> and they said, well, when, when, when you're in glory and we're there with you, we want to sit on your right and your left. Wow arrogant, bold, right? Jesus said, can you, can you uh, drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism? I'm going to be baptized by, and the guys are like, yes, yeah, sure, we can do that. So they weren't humble either, were they? <laughs> Jesus said, in fact, you know what, that's true. You guys are going to suffer the same things I do. You're going to drink the cup I drink. You're going to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized by. But it's not for me to give you the seats to the right and the left. Those seats have already been set aside for those for whom they have been prepared. We don't know who that is. Jesus didn't say, but we know it's not for James and John. Now the 10 heard what James and John said, and they were ticked off. They were indignant, Scripture says. They were mad. They were upset because these guys were what? They were arrogant. They were they were prideful. Uh, they were presumptuous. Um and then there's Peter, always talking out of turn. I, I could tell you stories about Peter. You know stories about Peter. Cutting off the guy's ear in the garden. I mean, um, one minute he's telling Jesus he's the greatest thing, and the next thing he's denying him three times. See, he was, he was, he was left, he was right. He was up, he was down, right? This guy, the, these three, Peter, James, John, Jesus' inner circle, you imagine what the other guys were like, right? What were the other nine guys like if the, if the inner circle of three were this broken and messed up? But the reality is all of us are that way, isn't it? And Jesus could take these three guys and see the power of the potential in their personality, and he could take it and mold it and shape it so that they could become the men that God wanted to use to form the early church, right? Right? These guys were the foundation, the formation, the the pillars, if you will, of the early church. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power that's at work, that's his power, at work in us. Do you really believe that? Uh, do, Do you go on day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, just being the same person? God doesn't do any transformation. Nothing happens. Nothing changes. Or do you believe that God really has the power to do abundantly more than we ask or think? He doesn't change us by punching us around. Uh, that's how we do it in the world. <laughs> uh, he doesn't change us by, by pushing us around. His Spirit deeply and gently works within us. Uh, take some time today. You could do it right now. You could do it this afternoon. To sit and think through what are some character traits. You know what they are in your life that you haven't handed over to God. You've, you're just like, I continue to be a grumpy person. I continue to be a rude person. In spite of the fact that Christ has saved me and filling me, I continue to struggle with being an impatient person. Whatever those are, make a list today and begin by taking those to the Father. He wants to, to mold you, to shape you, to chisel those away. To, and we don't like that, right? It doesn't feel good. If yeah, you ever asked the wood, you know, hey, how, what does it feel like to be sanded? Or the marble, the chunk of marble, what does it be like feel like to be chiseled into a, into a statue? Probably not good. Now, obviously, they're inanimate. They're not going to answer back. But I would imagine it wouldn't feel good. It doesn't feel good necessarily for the Father to do the surgery on us that needs to be done, but it needs to be done. So we need to take him those things and be honest and say, Father, these are the things. Uh, and maybe even if you're, you're sitting there and you're thinking, I can't think of anything, <laughs> ask your spouse, uh, ask your mom, ask your dad, ask a friend, ask the father. Because somebody will, will point it out to you, but be prepared for, for honest answers. All right, John 15, 4 says this. Uh, this is the words of Christ. He says, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit in itself, of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So see, one of the things, uh, of getting um, gentleness in our lives, uh, being filled with the Spirit, is allowing the Spirit of God to work in us and, and to stay connected and abiding with Christ. Uh, I love that verse because it reminds me to stay connected to the Father. People who have a gentle outlook also have, uh, people have a have gentleness have their outlook under control. Um, We like to look and see what's coming, right? We like to have an outlook on life. We like to to think about and plan about what's coming. And our character has a tremendous effect on our outlook, doesn't it? Uh, What we think about life, how we feel about things, um, and maybe more so right now we can understand that than any other time, right? Our general attitude about the things that are going on affects our outlook. And if our outlook is affected adversely, then we're not gentle, we're grumpy, we're rude, we're impatient, and we're all of the the things that we're not supposed to be, right? But we need to allow the Father to have control of the outlook. Philippians 2, 4 through 5 says, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. That's one of the ways we get our outlook under control, is we quit thinking and worrying and obsessing about ourselves, and we serve other people we love other people he says have this mind among yourselves which is yours in christ jesus see jesus is the model jesus is the model by which we form our lives by which we model our lives uh when our outlook comes under god's control we start to be more understanding when we become more like christ uh we become more gentle it's natural um second peter Uh, Chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control. We'll talk about that next week. Self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly love, uh, brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. In other words, learn to put aside your desires, your outlook, your attitudes, and focus on what the Father has for you. Listen to the Father. Let the Father lead you. This will make possible the next step, which is to enjoy people. Have you ever said, the problem with this world is the people? <laughs> you ever thought something like that? If it weren't for all the people around, then everything would be great, right? Have you ever said, people are jerks? Just be honest, right? Feeling yourself are allowing the Father to be filled, be filling you with the Spirit. That that change that He does in you is going to change your attitude towards other people, and you won't think other people are jerks anymore. <laughs> You'll want to be around other people. You'll want to serve other people. You'll want to love other people, and so that's almost, if you will, like a, like a barometer. What's your attitude? attitude? I keep the attitude towards. I want to make it one word: attitude. I just made it up. What's your attitude toward other people? What's your attitude towards other people? <laughs> Do you see them as a, a hindrance, a nuisance, a problem? When you go shopping, are they just people in your way uh, in your neighborhood? Are they just people that bother you from the car to the steps, and you can't get in the house because they want to talk? Or, I mean, seriously, um, the Lord has and wants to change your attitude towards other people. That we would love, uh, that we would have these things, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. The best way to destroy any relationship is to be selfish, isn't it? And the best way to never even form a relationship is to be selfish. But the Father wants us to be in relationship not only with himself, but with people around us. And again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention back to that song, O Holy Night. The weary world rejoices. The world is weary and they need somebody to be salt and light. Are you going to be that person? Are you going to be that salt and that light? Next thing uh, I want to hear here is people who are gentle have their words under control. This might be tough. We've talked about words off and on as we've talked about love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Now, Uh, We did faithfulness, now we're doing gentleness and self-control. Words come into play in most of those, don't we? We'll probably talk again about words next week when we talk about self-control. But gentle people have their words, their mouths under control. James, The book of James says the tongue is a flame of fire. you remember this verse, right? The tongue is a flame of fire. It is full of wickedness. It poisons every part of the body. It's set on fire by hell itself and can turn our whole lives into a blazing flame of destruction and disaster. Nobody can tame the tongue. Anybody you're like, yep, that's me now, or I've been there, or I I know that, I understand that. It can. Your mouth can get you in more trouble more quickly than anything else. No human, it says, can tame the tongue. That is why we have to have a Father in heaven and a, and a Savior named Jesus Christ and a Spirit of God living in us to keep our mouths under control. Um, we have to have our hearts changed. Luke 6, 45 says this, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. What's in your heart is what's going to come out. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks that's another good barometer what's coming out of your mouth if what's coming out of your mouth displeases even you (laughs) and your spouse and your kids and your friends and your father in heaven then you know you have a problem because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks in other words what's ever in here is what you're going to say you may be able to put on air, so you may be able to, hey, I can, I can be good for 60 minutes at church. I can be okay, I can do, I can do well uh, in an online meeting for an hour. Um, but man, get me uh, in a different situation, and, and a different side comes out. If that sounds like you, um, you need to have a meeting with the Father. <laughs> you need to have a, a sit-down, a talk with the Father, because He can change what's in your heart. Ephesians 4 29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Why do we not listen to that verse? Why do we not take that to heart? How That was kind of a pun, since out of the heart the mouth speaks, right? Out of the abundance of what's in there. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do you see the connection with our words and gentleness? Our words can be an uh, act of gentleness in speaking, in talking, in encouraging, in loving. They can also tear people down, right? right. They, they, they can destroy things. Does every word I say benefit those who listen? Have you ever taken that test? <laughs> Ouch. What's the answer? No. Most likely not. More than likely not. I would be surprised if If any of us could say everything I say uh gives grace to the hearer and glorifies God, but that's that's the that's the that's the goal that's the standard by which uh we are to achieve, but do we achieve it on our own power? No, absolutely not again. we go back to the beginning, when we talked about the love and the joy, the peace, the fruit of the spirit. These are things that that come out of the believer because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit living within us, right? Again, we have to change what's on the inside. Uh, Maybe you've never come to faith in Christ. This is a great place to talk about that. You've never had your heart changed. You've never had a Savior come in and clean up. That's the beginning of gentleness, is to allow a Savior who is gentle to save you. Does every word... I say, benefit those who listen. I think there's an even better question Um, because we might forget that there are a lot of other words we put out there that aren't verbal, right? Maybe we write them in emails. We write them in texts. We write them in posts on Facebook. Uh, Our words, our thoughts, um, our negativity often, our dissatisfaction, our frustration we will vent in a variety of ways. Um, when, uh, when they sat down and wrote the New Testament, the Old Testament, they didn't envision a day when people were going to throw up on the Internet and, and everybody else was going to have to read it and all this stuff was going to happen. So they said, things you say. But I think we can expand that to things that we say by typing, things that we say by posting. So think through that. There is power in spoken word. And there's power in a carelessly spoken word. And the Father wants us to think through that. He wants us to be transformed by not just what we say, but what we say. People who are general also have their expectations under God's control. And, and we, we did a little extra at the beginning, so we're going to go a little past 11. I hope that's okay. Uh, but we want to we wrap this up here in a couple minutes. But I wanted to do some extra songs. We had Advent, so I, I, I know you'll understand. Um, People who are gentle have their expectations under control. We have expectations for life and things uh, that are often uh, out of kilter with what the Father wants. When someone, here's, here's, here's a way to think about that. When someone disappoints you, are you gentle in your response? <laughs> Some of you are shaking your heads no. No. Uh, right? And we want to be, and we try to be. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not always gentle in my response either. Do I want to be gentle in my response? Absolutely. Does the Father demand and desire? We're gentle in our responses? Yes. But when someone disappoints us, I don't know, sometimes it just sets something off in us, doesn't it? And we get upset. Elijah, uh, out, of, out of 1 Kings, there's a story about Elijah uh, and the prophets of Baal. We did a series on this a while back, and uh, he defeated the prophets of Baal, and all the prophets of Baal were put to death. Now Ahab told Jezebel, who was a lady that really didn't like Elijah, what had happened. And she said, if I don't have... Elijah killed by tomorrow, then I need to be killed myself. That's how bad she wanted him dead. Elijah heard the story, and after all these great things that he had done for the father, he was scared of a single woman named Jezebel, so he took off. He ran. says he went to Beersheba. Uh, He went out into the woods. He left his servant. Uh, He went out, and he camped out by himself. And he went to sleep, and it says an angel woke him and gave him food. She had prepared, or she or he, the angel, we don't know, had prepared like a cake and had water. He arose and he ate. He lay back down, went to sleep. The angel woke him again, said, you need to eat because you have a journey ahead of you. He rose, he ate, and then it says he traveled 40 days and 40 nights to the mount of God called Horeb. And it said when he got to that mountain, he hiked up in there, and he found a, a cave, and it says he lodged there. And when he got there, God said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah just poured out. He just gushed all the disappointment that he had. He's like, the people of Israel turned against you and the prophets turned against you and, and they've thrown down your altars and they hate you and all the prophets have been put to death. Um, all the prophets of Baal and all the prophets of Israel and I'm the only one left and now they want to kill me too. And he's like, I just want to die. <laughs> right? I'm just done. And the father said, um, you need to you need to see me. You need to have an encounter with me. So go outside on the mountain and wait for me. And it says he went outside and the spirit of God moved by and a tremendous wind just blew through the mountains. And it said the wind was so strong that it shattered rocks, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And then it said there was an earthquake but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then it said there was a fire and everything was just burned up and Elijah was there watching. But the Lord wasn't in the fire either. And then it said, a still, small, quiet voice came. And it said at that point, Elijah covered his head, he covered his face, and he went out into the presence of the Lord. And the Lord said, Elijah, what are you doing here? He needed to have an encounter with the Father, but he... We might be tempted to think, right? The earthquake, the violent wind, man, the power of God, boom! But God came in gentleness and in quietness. And sometimes our world is too chaotic, right? And like we prayed when we got here this morning, I don't know how, I don't know what your week was like. Our week was great, but it was busy. It was like morning, noon, and night, and it was just the four of us and our, our college age. Middle college-aged daughter from Tennessee was here with us, and then the four of us in the house, we had Thanksgiving. Don't worry, she had COVID like eight weeks ago, so we didn't get anything from her. We had a great time, but I mean, it was morning, noon, and night. It was games. It was, t- it was decorate the tree. It was, it was cook all day Thanksgiving, right? Cook all day, eat all day, and then eat some more, watch a movie, all the things we do traditionally. It was just, it was busy. The Father comes in a still, small, and quiet manner. Have you taken some some quiet time in the stillness to hear the Father speak? Now, back to the disappointment idea. If you had just disappointed God and were hiding in a cave, um, what are you going to be thinking about? Um, I might be thinking, when he catches up with me, I'm toast. Anybody, you ever had that thought about your dad when you got in trouble growing up? When dad, well, maybe mom... Finds out about this, I'm toast. Yeah, I see some of you looking at your kids. Yeah, you know what we're talking about. You're a toast. Maybe he was thinking he was going to say, Elijah, I am so disappointed in you. But that's not how the father works, is it? The father accepted him. He said, go into my presence. Spend some time with me. Listen for me. And then let's talk about why you're here. And that's a conversation that we all need to have with the Father. A quiet conversation with a gentle Father about why we are here. You know the prodigal son story is another one of those that sticks out to me. I'm not going to retell it for time's sake. But what that son, you remember he had a whole he had a whole playbook I'm going to tell dad this, and I'm going to tell dad this. I'm going to ask to be a servant, and I'm going to throw my ask for mercy. And he got there, and what did the father do? I am so disappointed in you. You squandered all the wealth. What did he do? No. He ran to him, right? He threw his arms around him. He hugged him. He threw a party. He put on the ring. He put on the robe. He gave him shoes for his feet, and he said, My son that was lost has returned. He celebrated him. That's the Father. That's how the Father works with those he loves. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. Paul says this I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That's a whole message right there. We won't even touch, but think about what that means. He's urging us to walk in a worthy manner to which we have been called. But he says this with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of spirit in the bonds of peace. Man, go home today and read that. I should have put that up on the screen. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. Those words, we read those words. Again, we hear those. Those, are, those sound like weak words, don't they? Uh, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. We don't want to bear with one another. We just want to slap somebody. Let's be honest. They're fed up. God says you got to be Gentle. Can't, can't go around slapping people. Can't go around being angry all the time, being grumpy and being rude. You want to be a consuming fire <laughs> in a fit of rage. But the Father calls us to something different. He calls us to have different responses, which leads us to the last point. People who are gentle have their responses under control. Uh, we often respond... Quickly, right? Quick to anger. (laughs) That's not what Scripture says, right? Be slow to anger. We talked about that recently. Be slow. Don't be reactive. Reactive people are driven by feelings, by circumstances. You ever said this? You make me so angry. You ever said that to somebody? Somebody said that to you? You make me so angry. You know, the fact is you're, you're just allowing that anger to well up in you. That person is not making you angry. You're choosing to be angry. People can have a great life, great success, do great things for God, be liked by lots of people, and fail to control their responses. And it doesn't make sense. Proverbs 15, 2 says, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool pours out folly. That connects back to the words idea too, doesn't it? father has such a a bigger agenda such a greater plan for us you've ever met a person that doesn't get mad you ever met somebody do you did anybody raise your hand you know somebody that just they, no matter what happens you just you've never seen him get mad I, I i know a couple of people like that i've seen some people like that i have met some people they are gentle they are calm uh man i want to be like that i don't know about you I would love to be like that. I think I react pretty well in emergency situations and in but I'm not always the gentlest in those. <laughs> you can ask Lydia. Um man, something'll happen. Uh some emergency will come up and I'm like, drill sergeant mode. Do that, do that, do that. I know exactly what you take care of it, everybody else, their heads are flying off. Ah! Not very gentle when I and when the heads are flying off, you get less gentle, don't they? <laughs> don't you? That's when you like, you just want to slap somebody. No, I don't. I've never wanted to slap anybody. Not much, anyway. Don't worry. Everybody's like, gosh, Pastor Sean wants to slap Lydia. That is not true. Never, ever have I done that, and never, ever will I do that. But the people that don't get mad, man, you just, you want to be like that. You want to emulate that. Jesus was a guy, he got angry about a couple things. We talked about that previously, but those were righteous anger things uh, when they were uh, turning his, his father's temple into a house where they were selling stuff instead of a place of worship. He got angry about that. That was a righteous anger. But, but if you go through the Gospels and you read and you study Jesus, you can see over and over again how gentle he was. Gentle with the, with the three. He was gentle with James and John. He didn't slap them. He didn't slap them and say, you can't sit at the right and the left. What are you thinking? He just explained it to him. He didn't call down fire on the Samaritans when they wouldn't let him camp out in their town. He didn't cut anybody's ear off in the garden. In fact, it says he was led to slaughter like a sheep, like a lamb, right? He was gentle, and he allowed what the Father had set in motion to play out. So we see James, we see John, we see Peter, we see Jesus as perfect. (laughs) Jesus especially. Examples of what can be. Jesus, man, he changed those three guys. I suspect they probably still had issues later on. In fact, if you read Acts, you can see some of the tussle that they had, uh, especially with Paul over matters of theology and stuff like that. Paul got upset too, didn't he? Remember when Paul had a, a breakdown with his missionary friend and he's like, you've got to go another way. I'm going to go by myself. I can't, I can't go out with you. But Jesus was perfect. And he is perfect. And his perfect gentleness can permeate your life and my life through the Spirit. But again, I'm going to say, I'm just going to remind you, go make that list. Seek the Father Uh, ask a spouse, (laughs) ask a close friend, Um, what do you see in me that needs to change? Uh, And allow the Father to begin to do that work in you. Uh, James, John, Peter, Paul, they were transformed by Christ. Christ transformed them into something new. If he did it to them and for them, he can do it for you too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we struggle today maybe with some of these words, meek, and mild and gentle and merciful and humble. Um, Lord, help us to see that these words are actually some of the strongest words that we can find in Scripture. I think some of the most difficult characters to have built into us. They seem so difficult to some of us. It's so difficult to be gentle. It's so difficult to be uh, merciful. It's difficult to put others' interests before our own. So, Lord, Father, as we seek you today, as we study uh, your word, we look back through these scriptures and we make the list of things in our lives that, that are apparent to us that must change. We bring those to you, Lord, begin even now. To, to chisel away and hone off those edges to change us into uh, the person that you want us to be the man or woman uh, of God that you, uh, you see when you look at us when you imagine uh, and look to what we will become when you see the potential in us of what could be Lord help us to achieve all that you have in mind for us that we might become the men and women of God that you want us to be. Lord, teach us what it means to be gentle. Teach us how to be gentle. Lord, we thank you for the model that you've given us in Jesus Christ. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and we ask for it. Amen. Amen. We're going to close 15 after. Um, I think uh, instead of playing a song, we'll just uh, close and wrap up. And uh, I'm going to get on my uh, iPad here real quick and say hi to folks that are online. You guys can mill around, talk for a few minutes, um, make sure and, of course, wear your masks and so forth. Um, and then we'll be closing up the building here pretty quick. Uh, so online, I see um, the Cardonas and the Nicolosi's. I see Pam, uh, Marcia, the Lamberts are here, Marissa and her family. Uh, The Huaman family. Michael's here. Hey, Michael. (laughs) He's online and he's here. Amory, Lydia's here. Hey, Amory. Jimmy's here. Uh, Bob and Denise are here, and that's what I see on YouTube. And I don't know. I couldn't get my Facebook to load earlier. So let me see here if I can. Ah, yes. Okay. So on Facebook. I want to say hi to everybody on here. I know my parents are here. They didn't comment, but hi, Mom and Dad. Uh, let's see. The whole six are here. Cardonas are here as well. Uh, Renee and Yosinia are here. Um, Renee, buenos dias. Uh, Carmen's here. And Cardonas. And that's all I see on the comments there. I think there must be some more. So um, before we get offline... Make sure and join us on Facebook. Go comment on the questions on there. And if you haven't picked up your Advent activity bags for your kids, make sure and contact Lydia by email and pick those up today. God bless, guys. Take care.